This is Bruce Friedman of Adult Site Broker, and welcome to Adult Site Broker Talk, where each week we interview one of the movers and shakers of the adult industry, and we give you a tip on buying and selling websites. This week we'll be speaking to Morgan Summer of Dockler Group. Adult Site Broker is proud to announce the launch of our new website at adultsitebroker.com. We've added some enhancements to the site, such as FAQs and a complete new platform. The look and feel of the new site are nice and up to date. The new site also has links to our marketplace and affiliate program. Plus, don't forget ASB Marketplace, the first platform where you can buy and sell adult sites and domains for free. ASB Marketplace allows buyers and sellers the chance to come together on properties that are valued below our company's minimum of $50,000. Don't pay for other marketplaces when ASB Marketplace gives you this service for free. Visit ASBMarketplace.com and sign up as a seller or as a buyer today. And of course, there's ASB Cash the first affiliate program for an adult website brokerage where you can earn as much as 20% of our broker commission referring sellers and buyers to us at Adult Site Broker. Check out ASBcash.com for more details and to sign up. Now let's feature our property of the week that's for sale at Adult Site Broker. We're proud to offer for sale the first NSFW social media platform in the world. The web app benefits from innovative technologies that enable almost a million members to instantly share their sexy photos and videos via computer or mobile. Today, the site has more than 200 new members signing up daily with zero spent on marketing. These leads are essentially coming from organic SEO, word of mouth, and premium backlinks. The site has received great articles in top magazines such as Playboy, Daily Dot, Refinery29, and more. In 2019, the site started recurring subscriptions, which made it a more private platform since only registered members now have access to the content. While it impacted the traffic on the platform, the user base is now very valuable as the site only accepts verified users. There are now over 60,000 active members. Average time on the site is over 10 minutes. The site has a team of four super users moderating the platform to ensure there's no illegal content among the photos and videos. Also, there's a report feature so that every member can report content that might infringe on someone's rights. The site gets most of its traffic from the USA, Brazil, Mexico, France, and Spain. Now reduced to only $495,000 US dollars. Now time for this week's interview. My guest today on Adult Site Broker Talk is Morgan Summer. Morgan, thanks for being with us again here on Adult Site Broker Talk. It is my pleasure, Bruce. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back. Now, Morgan, if you didn't know, is a 25-year adult industry veteran. He actually started when he was five. Um, he was the co-founder and former owner of CyberSocket. He's a legendary figure in our industry, especially in the LGBTQ portion of the industry. Now, the formation of CyberSocket parties at major trade shows, at least in my opinion, did a great job of bringing the gay and the straight sides of the industry together like never before. So, Morgan, you've had some changes in your career. What happened with you in CyberSocket? Yeah, so uh, CyberSocket still exists. Um, we reached a point a couple of years ago, my business partner Tim and I, where um, 
we both needed to evolve and we both needed to change. And Tim really wasn't interested in the day-to-day operations of the company anymore. And I kind of needed some new intellectual experiences as well. Mm -hmm. So we kind of both left the day-to-day operation to our staff. Mm -hmm. And um, I went and pursued a couple of outside interests in mainstream marketing just so I could learn some new tools and tactics and see how the rest of the world was doing things that I was interested in. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that was fine. We were content to leave things that way. And, you know, we were each giving about five to 10 hours a week and CyberSec was still growing. Um, Mm -hmm. But then uh, Tim got a diagnosis uh, with a very bad kind of brain cancer last November. And then I uh, started talking with, uh, the folks here at Dockler in January about possibly coming on and taking on a role. Mm-hmm. And we, over a course of five or six months, we continued to talk and it just kind of all worked out at the same time that literally around the same time that Dockler and I were coming to a conclusion of that discussion. Um, an offer came from the folks that now own Fleshbot mm-hmm. and, uh, and they made an offer that we couldn't say no to um, to acquire CyberSocket and all of its assets, all of the trademarks, everything, mm-hmm. um, because they had a vision for taking it for the next, you know, to its next level sure. that we did not have. And you know, as a as someone who built a business and really cared about it, I yeah. I didn't have that vision anymore, sure. to be honest. And and when someone comes along and has a vision for that thing that can take it to a place you can't, it's the best thing for it you know if you like a child right you care about it and you want it to grow um so really it was really it's an amazing thing because the the folks that have taken it over really have some great plans for it and a former editor-in-chief of ours alexander he is now back in charge of the whole thing again um he had ideas when he was our editor that we did not let him do because we were just out of out of energy to tell you the truth sure and uh and now he gets to do all of those great things so I look forward to showing up in a CyberSocket award show perhaps next spring as a guest for the first time. I love that, huh? <laughs> so anyway, and uh, you know, and this has also given Tim the time he needs to just focus on his health and recovery. So, so you know, now let's transition to that. How is yeah. he doing? To be totally honest, not well. Oh. Um, he is deteriorating and uh hmm. You know, the best case scenario for a lot of people with this type of cancer is that they may live two to five years. Oh, um, we don't have any idea how long Tim has, but, you know, overall his health is not good. And uh, at this point, everybody, the doctors are just trying to keep him comfortable and keep mm-hmm. him in his home. And that's that's kind of where we're at. So he has a, a, big, a group of friends in Southern California that come in to take care of him and uh, – mm-hmm. So he is being cared for and his family is coming to visit him. And uh, he and I talk about once every two weeks. It's, uh, it's all, it's what it is right now. Yeah, that's, that, that's really sad. Now, now you, you, you spoke of the CyberSocket Awards. That's got to be something that you started that's really gratifying because that's turned into something amazing. Yeah. You know, we started that, uh, I think it, the last award show we did in twenty. 19 was our 21st award show. Wow. And I think we started that as a way to just find out what surfers liked. Mm -hmm. 
because everybody had all of these theories about what web surfers thought was important, but no one was really doing good surveys. And so we started that whole process as just a way to get our readers to tell us what they actually liked. Mm. Um, and, uh, and that's why it turned into the popularity contest version of an awards show um, mm. where we just let surfers, we threw a thousand things up on the wall and let the surfers pick. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, and then it would just became a way to kind of constantly gauge the, the changing patterns of, uh, of surfer behavior and mm-hmm. surfer interest and stuff. Now, um, obviously you mentioned, uh, the, the job change going to Dockler. Um, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us about that? Tell us about how you started talking to them and, um, about, uh, about the gig. So I've had a long relationship with the company. Um, when they first came upon, you know, the, the industry community at trade shows back in, 2003 or 2004 um we connected with them we became a partner with them on several things they started mm-hmm. sponsoring cyber socket events um we became an affiliate of theirs because they had a gay site way back when um and you know we had an ongoing cordial relationship for many many years and uh and then at one time one of our salespeople went to work for them so th- there's just been a long back and forth you know thing sure that was where it was for many, many years. And uh, in January, I got a, a message from the current CEO, Christopher Anderson, um, who is someone I knew socially in Los Angeles hmm. um, through other friends. He wasn't part of the industry. And he said, hey, Morgan, how you doing? Um, it's been a long time. Guess what? I work for Doppler in Luxembourg now. And I went, that's an interesting story. So tell me how you you got there. <laughs> and he told me how it happened. Then, you know, mutual friends introduced him to them and they were looking for someone to come on board as, as the chief product officer. And so eventually uh, Chris and his partner, Marie, they they were moved to Luxembourg and Chris took on the role as, as chief product officer. And Chris originally had started talking to me about coming on board to help them build out their LGBTQ division mm-hmm. and uh, as the head of product for that division. Chris's role changed in April. He was appointed the new CEO of Jasmine Holding. And um, and as a result of that, then the, the discussion about what role I might take changed um, from being the head of product of that LGBT division to possibly taking on a role as a senior vice president, kind of overseeing multiple divisions and, and at the same time, building out that LGBTQ division, you know, the role was kind of the role of a lifetime, really. It's utilizing all the skills I've ever developed and then being challenged to do something more. And because this organization is uh, infinitely larger than I ever really thought it was. (laughs) And, uh, <laughs> yeah, they're big, you. they're big, right. And it's, it's huge. And there are 1800 employees across multiple countries mm-hmm. and, and there's a thousand moving parts at all times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I, you know, and I've expressed it to Mr. Gachian, the founder, I am, I'm really grateful to have this role because it's really, it's challenging every day. Mm-hmm. It's challenging in a really great and exciting way. And, uh, and we've managed to be able to bring on board Carl Edwards, another industry veteran, yeah, as yeah. the as yeah, the I've head heard. of product for that LGBTQ division. That's cool. He's running with that and um, expects some really great new 
new things to come out around the time of the uh, Why Not Cam Awards in October. Mm. We'll be we'll be launching our new gay brand at that point. Oh wow! Um, and uh, with some uh, prototype stuff for that for that event. And then by the time we get to the shows in January, we should have be much further along with that process. But and then we've also hired Shishi Larue as our brand ambassador and model recruiter. Yeah, I saw that too. That's great. And uh, and we'll be bringing on some more people that you will know their names sooner than later. You will hear. That's <laughs> aw- that's awesome. Well, Carl's Carl's amazing. Uh, and he's a, yeah. he's been a guest on uh, on the podcast, as you may know. And uh, yeah, Carl's uh, Carl's incredible. I think eventually you should have him back because he's got he's well, got the vision to take that new division in really amazing places. So uh, mm-hmm. you should consider him again. But uh, yeah, so it's just it's a really exciting place to be. There is a really wonderful leadership team here at Doppler, um, and there's some of the smartest people I've ever encountered from mm-hmm. anywhere um, are all assembled in this organization and. Uh, just a lot of really great things going on. That sounds fantastic. So talk to me a little bit about your day-to-day duties there. <laughs> he laughs. Drinking out of a fire hose. That's, the, that's it. Right, right, right. On high, right? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Trying to take a, 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 a sip out of a fire hose. Um, it's really, I mean, I, when I'm at home in Kansas, I start my days at 5 a.m., I get online and start with my first Teams calls at 5:30, mm. and I run at a full, you know, a sprint until basically 10 a.m. Um, my time, and then things start to taper off by 11 when everybody in Luxembourg goes home. Mm. Um, but those first five hours of the day are intense, mm. um, and because I'm basically trying to compress a full day of communication with right. everybody here. Or in the Budapest office into those few hours. Time for a and nap. Then I, time for a nap at that point, right? Then it's time for a quick nap, and <laughs> then I start working with Carl and everybody in North America. Sure. And we are we're hiring people all over the place. We're trying to build out um, our a North American dev team mm-hmm. as well as the LGBTQ group, oh, okay. um, mostly in North America as well. Um, so there's just. You know, every day we're, we're doing a whole thing of interviewing people as well as work. And a lot of that just requires time talking to each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that's kind of, and then by two or three o'clock, I am officially completely wiped out <laughs> and I need to go lay down. <laughs> and then I, you know, I'm asleep by 1030 at night and I start over again. Wow. And that's, you know, that's my work week. But it's a. Uh, but, you know, it's just it's really wonderful because I think, you know, the language of the company is English, it's good. but it's but the people of the company are from all over the earth. Yeah. And it's and it's really it's really kind of amazing. That's always really cool uh, yeah. because because of the diversity of, of people from all over the all over the world. Yeah, there's there's an, an, a diversity of experience and perspective mm-hmm. that is challenging. Sure. Right? And it means that assumptions that I might have. Yeah. And conclusions I may reach all by myself are are being challenged, but in, in the best possible way all the time. That's great. A lot of personal growth then. Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Yeah, great. So what um, what else is new over at Jasmine Dockler AW Empire? Well, at AW Empire, 
the new things are that we have a new leadership there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a guy named Esteban Pau is the new head of sales and head of product there. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been uh, on the team for a number of years. Yeah. And he is now, he's got a vision of where to take the team and where to take the program. Um, they are working on new affiliate tools for all of the sites. Um, we have the adult sites as well as uh, non-adult sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the big ones is the Aranum site, which is the psychic slash esoteric site. Oh, wow. Um, it's huge. I had oh. it, I didn't even know it existed, honestly, until <laughs> coming on board. But it's actually really huge. And they're planning to grow that as well. Um, we have a, a whole uh, a series of mainstream websites also that are being uh, managed by uh, a team member from that lives in New York, hmm. and uh, and there's a whole development group that's dedicated just to those products. Hmm. And at the moment, we're also engaged in you know looking at opportunities for investment in other businesses related to the industry and even some that are not really part of the industry Hmm. um just to uh grow the diversity of the things that we're doing as a company we'll talk more (laughs) yeah all right so uh, i always love hearing that (laughs) it's good for business but that's and that's just kind of you know the company is is growing the company is thriving and it's we're focusing on the core businesses of course and trying to make things better um there is a large development team here of really great experts, and mm-hmm. we're always trying to improve Live Jasmine, Bim Bim, and you know, and the other core products. Mm-hmm. As evidenced just by the investment alone that their their company is making in building out a really solid LGBTQ group. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we've got the new gay site launched, then we'll revamp the trans site, and in both of those cases, we're looking at building. Much more than a campsite, we're mm. building community sites. Oh, cool! So, so tell me more about the about the uh, the gay and uh, and trans uh, sites that are coming up. Um, the new gay site, whose name I'll keep secret for now, until okay. um, <laughs> so we're ready to to push that out. Um, it's basically gonna, you know, it's a it's a it's a gay community platform hmm. that has a campsite backbone. Okay. And uh, so, but it's just going to be a whole lot more than just simply a campsite. That's really the goal. Sounds cool. And the company overall has a mission of elevating sex and sexuality Mm -hmm. out of the shadows and and into the light is for for lack of a better concept. Oh, I like that. Right? And that this, (laughs) we're basically trying to just elevate human sexuality altogether Mm -hmm. and, um, and be sex positive and, and make it, something people can be proud of, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of their, uh, of that, of their expression of that. Hmm. And, uh, so I think that's kind of the philosophical underpinning of all of the things we're doing is we're trying to just show each community that it's supported. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll be moving into the fetish community as well. Hmm. Um, and, uh, so yeah. I think we're, we're seeing these things as more like specialty sites yeah. rather than, rather than calling them niche products. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just going to be moving into kind of a specialty division where each each community that we decide to serve is going to be get the proper focus. Hmm, that's cool. Now, now, what about the what about the trans site? Is that something new? There has been a trans site for many years. Okay, um, 
It just hasn't really been well developed. Mm. Uh, trans models are already on Live Jasmine. Okay. Um, they've always been there. And then there was sort of a white label version of the site that was segmented out as a trans site, but it's never really been properly developed or promoted. Okay. So rather than just continuing to push that white label version of the site, we'll be building a, a unique product for the trans community okay. and for people that like trans models. So. Hmm. Now, besides adding new personnel, what else is going on with a new LGBTQ team? Uh, lots of conversations. <laughs> you know, Carl and I talk. Carl has was here in Luxembourg and then in Budapest with us also for the last uh, week or two. Hmm. Um, he just went home to Toronto today. Hmm, okay. So. We've had a lot of meetings and a lot of conversations about where we want to go and specific details and features and how to get them built and what the timelines are. And that's kind of where we are at this point. It's it's the planning and development phase of things, um, okay. which just requires a lot of communication with developers and right. and the team. Now, now you mentioned you're you're planning on bringing in uh, some other people besides Carl. Any that you can mention? Not right now, <laughs> but, but as soon as, but as soon as it's time, I'll make sure that you get that press release too. Sounds good. Sounds good. Now, how has the gay adult industry changed compared to where it was when you first started in the industry? I mean, you know, 1996, 97, mm -hmm. there were a thousand gay sites in the world. Hmm. We, when we did our first survey of websites, there were literally about a thousand hmm. by 98. There were about 2000. And then by 2000, the year 2000, there were tens of thousands. Jeez. And, and on the adult side, there were a handful of mega sites. And right. then there were lots and lots of small sites. Yes. The mega sites died out and now, but the industry has been going through a consolidation period again. Yeah. So I think, you know, there's still room for small sites to enter the industry for new startups. But the game for many years has been about how are you going to get traffic? Right. And the traffic market is so locked up by big companies, mm -hmm. you know, um, big aggregators and then big companies having huge spends that that's the, that's the unique challenge for gay companies. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, my company, Carl's company and others, the only way we ever survived was by building our own traffic networks, our own traffic funnels. Yeah. Because we could never compete with the big guys on the traffic buy. Mm -hmm. um, we could never compete enough to really get the decent traffic that's available out there. Right. Um, so we had to build our own. And I think that's still true. Hmm. Um, for the majority of the gay industry sites out there. Mm -hmm. But I think we'll see more consolidation in the next couple of years yeah. of companies having to band together to, uh, to keep growing. Yeah. I can promise you that based on everything that I know. Is it, is it as easy to build a traffic network as it was when you guys first started? No, I think it's, it's not at all easy. Mm -hmm. Um, no, you have to be really clever about it too, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, the rules are much more entrenched now. Okay. You know, when we all first started, it was it was the wild wild west, and you yes. could do all kinds of crazy things, and none of that's allowed anymore. Hmm. So you know, there we weren't sure what was good and what was right, and Google's rules change all the time as well, <laughs> daily. So. Yeah, dealing with Google has got to be probably the biggest challenge for people in our industry. 
Yeah, and unless you have a lot of time, you know, if you're a small operation with a, you know, and you're shooting the content and you're producing the website and you're doing all the things, learning the marketing rules out there too is really complicated. And right. a lot of people don't have time for that and or time to do it right. Sure. So I think, you know, they end up spinning their wheels trying to figure out how to do things. Yeah. I mean, people come to me as a rule, you know, in general, as a, you know, because we do general consulting too. And they tell me they want to get into the business or they want to, they want to start a site. And I basically ask them a lot of questions. And part of that is, well, how are you going to get traffic? I mean, can you afford to buy traffic? And most of them can't. Most of them just don't have the war chest. Yeah. And, that, and that's hard. That's really, really hard. Yeah. And that's why I think a lot of companies, they look to be part of bigger affiliate networks or they, you know, or they do what others have done like us is you just go to work and building your own funnel. Yeah. And, uh, but I think there are a lot of companies are just destined to stay small operations as a result of that. Mm -hmm. Sure. Who are some of the up and coming players in gay porn to watch out for? You know, I don't think I have a good handle on that. Honestly, oh, okay. I, I, I don't think I'm, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm qualified to answer that question at this point. Okay. Maybe a couple of years ago I could have, but at this, I haven't been paying attention. Mm. So, <laughs> so <laughs> that's, I, uh, that's I, the, that's the honest answer. Okay. So. Okay. Who, uh, who's out there now impresses you? Who's, who's already established? Kobe Knox is one. Mm. Okay. Uh, I think it's a great, they have a great product and a great image. And I think they're very popular. Mm -hmm. um, it's a couple and they make their own content and they shoot all their own stuff and they have a really mm -hmm great website mm -hmm. and uh and people like their product okay so i think there's someone to watch out for if okay. i had to put a finger on it okay you you gave me an answer <laughs> he okay. goes whoa i got that one okay right so i don't mean to be asking you things that you have to pull out of an orifice or anything like that um now are virtual trade shows as useful as the in-person events I think in the world in the world we live in right now, they're great, but no. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I agree. I miss the personal interaction. Yeah. I I thrive on that energy that oh, we yeah. get from being around each other. Yep. And the sense of community that we have, and that this is a big family. Yes. Um, it's really hard to maintain that thing mm -hmm. with just the virtual trade shows. I enjoy them because I get to see the people I've missed seeing. Yeah. Um, but I wish for that connection. I would go to the Prague show that's coming up, except that I'm going home because I've been away from home for three weeks. Yeah. And if I were planning, if I were to do that, I'd have to go home for five days and then come back here for like 10. And, so your, I, and your cats, your cats would not accept that. My cats are mad at me already, and that would only make it worse. Yes. Well, yeah. you know what you should do? I, I, mean, I was gone almost three months. You know what I did? I FaceTimed my dogs almost every day. My cats will not like that. <laughs> they'll just walk away they'll just be pissed they they don't yeah how many do you have we have five. Oh my god you beat me i have four dogs okay yeah it's at this point it's like they're their own gravity center and more just keep coming along yes they 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 do tend to sprout there's no two ways uh -huh. about it <laughs> yeah and i i agree with you about the uh virtual trade shows i mean they're great but it's like seeing your friends on TV, you know? It's not the same as seeing them in person. It's not the same as a hug. And, oh, yep. you know, when I when I 
describe this industry to people who aren't in it, the first word I use is the same one you use, Morgan, and that's family. And yep. I miss my family. I miss you, Carl, and so many other people who I haven't seen now for, oof, you know, over a year and a half. Yeah. And it sucks. It just really sucks. Yeah, it and does. I'd go, to, I'd go to Prague, and we're recording this to let everyone know in the middle of August, and the, uh, this, will, this will drop uh, probably late September, early October. But, um, you know, uh, if I go to Prague, I'm looking at 15 more days in jail, or a.k.a. quarantine, hotel quarantine, right. which I just got out of a week ago. And uh, yeah. But my dogs were glad to see me, by the way, just to let you know. So <laughs> your your cats will be mad. My dogs were glad to see me, but that's the difference there, you see. Okay, yep. so what what industry events are you planning on attending in the near future? You said Prague? No, now. I think I'm, I'm Prague, the will, we will have some people from the team here in Europe attending. Sure. Um, the, oh, C, yeah. the CEO will be there. But I think for me, I, I'm looking at the Why Not community event mm. in October 11th through the 14th. Yeah. And then the Why Not Cam Awards on the 14th of October in LA. Yeah. As long as as long as long COVID does not cause cancellation of those events, I plan to be there. Well, let's hope not. And, and then, then, uh, and then the events in January, again, assuming the COVID situation allows things to happen. So I hope. I hope. I really hope. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm shooting for is January at this point. I'm uh, I'm unfortunately probably done. And again, this is the middle of August we talk. Uh, I'm done for 2021. Um, 15 days of uh, eating airline food was enough for me. Thank you. Um, yeah. yeah, that's what it looked like. I got these little boxes. I should say, I should show you a picture and it looks like airline food and it tasted like airline food anyway. Um, and we're not talking about business class, unfortunately. So do you think the industry is better off now than it was one to two years ago? And if so, how better off? Yes. I think overall the industry is in a healthier state. I think the attention on tube sites is actually helpful. Um, in what way? I think you talking, are you talking about the negative? Are you talking about the negative attention? Well, it depends on your perspective on that. Doesn't okay, it? please. I think uh, I think uh, holding tube sites accountable for illegal activity and for um, misuse of the relationship with content producers is the way I'll put that. Okay, um, it's a good thing. I think yeah. that's helpful to the industry. Sure. I think everyone I know that has that found their ability to build and or buy traffic completely controlled by tube sites that were also, you know, still engaging in forms of piracy. Um, I think they're better off. They're okay. finding that they're, they're doing better now. Right. Um, revenues up, traffic is up. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you talk to a lot of people, you'll find that they're quite happy with the change in things. Sure. Um, I think the democratization of traffic has increased again okay. rather than decreased and being manipulated by a few power centers. Okay. So I, uh, so yeah, the industry is better off. I think people are hopeful again. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, with the COVID situation, lots of people found that their sales went up because people were watching more, more stuff at home. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so, you know, even though COVID is not a good thing, but I think that the industry itself is in a better place than it was a year ago or two years ago. Oh, most definitely. 
most definitely. Um, do you see any negatives from articles like the ones that were in the New York Times and, and other assorted uh, publications? Not really. I mean, you know, we those of us who've been in the industry a long time, we have seen articles and political people saying they're going to clean things up or they're going to go after this or that or mm-hmm. the big boogeyman of, you know, MasterCard and Visa having new regulations and all of these things. Mm-hmm. And it all usually turns out to be a lot of nothing. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we're at still. Well, you, you've got a good you've got a good perspective because you've been at you've been at this a quarter century. Yeah, I you know I have a perspective. I don't know that I'm right. I just have one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I I think it's I think it's a solid one based on your experience. Do you think there are still room for startups in the adult industry? I do. I just think that they need to have a better plan. Back okay. when we all started up, we could wing it, and we yeah. made successes of things by winging it and i think at this point the the environment that you have to move within is mature Mm -hmm. and it has rules and it has processes and it has channels to maneuver through and you need to figure those out uh before you go spending a lot of money right or wasting time doing the things that won't work Mm -hmm. now if you had some advice for Somebody who said today, okay, I'm going to start a, a site, whether it be a gay site, a straight site, or trans site, or whatever, what would be some advice you'd give them? Do your research. Mm-hmm. Research what's in the market now, yep. and don't copy, innovate. Hmm. That's the best thing I can tell you to do, because there's so many people that are copying each other, yep. and then they're based tripping over trying to get the exact same audience which will make it more expensive for you to get traffic and to get an audience um if you can find a niche that's being underserved and that you believe has revenue potential then go that direction Hmm. okay or if you've got lots of money behind you and you want to become the biggest and the best then then go look at what everybody's doing in that thing and take all of the best things and cobble them together and then spend more on marketing than anybody else does right but that's you know only if you've got the money to do that kind of thing, right? Or look or look at everyone who does things well and somehow do it better. Yeah, but you will have to have a marketing budget at this point to oh, compete big time. Right. Don't I know? Don't I know? I've uh, I've I've managed such such marketing budgets. Where do you think that the adult industry is headed? I think you know we are mainstreaming ourselves more and more all the time. Mm-hmm. And I think culture is changing, um, especially in Western Europe and North America. And I think, you know, we're the industry is coming out of the shadows largely. And I think, uh, we are going to be, you know, just another form of entertainment to most people. And, uh, and I think that we will just keep professionalizing, Mm-hmm. There will always be, you know, the independent producer doing their own thing. But I think uh, overall, this is turning into a big business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It always has been a big business, but it's becoming a bigger business. Yeah. And it's becoming a professionalized business. Yes. Well, I think that kind of goes along with with people coming into it from the mainstream world. Because people from the mainstream world... And you, you were you were doing some work in the mainstream world, so so you know a lot more about them now. But people in the mainstream world have a totally different way of looking at business than people in the adult world. They do. 
And I, I think that's what's difficult for people that uh, come into uh, this world from mainstream is that they don't understand the tight-knit family that it is. Hmm. That, you know, where we will still cooperate or, we'll, you know, where there's friendly cooperation is the word I like to use. Hmm. Where we we may be competitors, but we're still friends and colleagues and we'll get together at trade shows and we'll share, you know, a dinner or drinks with each other. And then we'll go back to being competitors. Yeah. But, you know, when it comes down to it, we still see each other as all part of the same club. Well, you have to with all the noise from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, the times that I've seen the adult industry fight internally, that's how you get destroyed. Yeah, I agree. Well, hey, Morgan, I'd like to thank you for being our guest again today on Adult Site Broker Talk. And I'm looking forward to, to part three down the road. My broker tip today is part three of what to do to make your site more valuable for when you decide to sell it later. Find new ways to monetize your site, such as sell advertising. If you've got a free site like a tube, that's the best way to monetize your site. If you have a tube, another way to make money is to sell premium memberships. Offer free users one level of content, and for premium users, you can do things like give them higher quality or longer videos or both. You can also make the site ad-free for premium members. Start an affiliate program. If you have a pay site, this is a great way to increase your quality traffic and get more joins. With all sites, you can figure out other upgrades and products you can sell your users. Pay sites can also sell pay-per-view, where people have the option of paying by the scene for content they can't get on the site. This is another way to charge users as opposed to a monthly fee. Sell them other products like toys and novelties. Market your business. Do things to improve your search rankings like SEO. And you can find some great SEO consultants out there who can help you get higher search rankings in Google. If you want some recommendations, contact us on our site. List all of the benefits of your site and your marketing and how they affect the user. And of course, hire a great marketing consulting firm, such as Adult B2B Marketing, which we also happen to own. Eliminate unneeded expenses. Constantly make sure you're not spending money you don't need to. Make sure there isn't duplication in your staffing. From time to time, check services you pay for, like hosting, and see if there are better and less expensive options. Take it from me. I've done this and saved a bunch, plus got higher quality hosting in the process. Again, ask us for recommendations if you have questions. Always look for ways to do things more cost-effectively. Along with this, make your profit and loss statement show more profit. Increasing sales and reducing expenses obviously does just that. Make sure your P&L statement accurately reflects your company's actual cost, not a bunch of personal expenses you put in. This will cost you money when you sell. It may help you with the tax man to put that stuff on your tax return, but it hurts you if you show that stuff on your profit and loss statement. Remember, every dollar in profit increases the value of your website as much as three to four times. This is why you need a good experienced broker to help lead you through the process. We've gotten people thousands of dollars more on their sale just by adjusting the P&L statement to reflect actual business expenses as opposed to a bunch of tax BS. We'll talk about this subject more next week. And next week, we'll be talking to porn actress Coraline Jewell. And that's it for this week's Adult Site Broker Talk. I'd once again like to thank my guest, Morgan Summer. 
talk to you again next week on Adult Site Broker Talk. I'm Bruce Friedman.